The Adams Archive. Hello, you beautiful people, and welcome to The Adams Archive. My name is Austin Adams, and you are probably wondering why <laughs> the podcast has a different name than it did before, but we'll talk about that. That's one thing we're going to talk about. The other things we're going to talk about is Steven Seagal getting awarded the Order of Friendship from Vladimir Putin, <laughs> the Mex Mexican president sharing a story on his social media, including a picture of what he believes is a elf um, or a variation thereof from the Mayan subculture. And then we're going to talk about how the Department of Energy finally admits the first government entity to admit that the Wuhan lab of virology was the source of the coronavirus. And then last but not least, we are going to talk all about the World Economic Forum's 15-minute cities plan and what the people are doing to push back, what is a 15-minute city, who is trying to implement it, what it means for us moving forward and in the future, and why it's a horrible authoritarian project. We'll cover it all. All right. So thank you so much for listening. The first thing I'll do and jump into with you guys is talking about why I made the switch for the podcast name. Okay. So this is the marks the 60th episode of what would be the Red Pill Revolution podcast. And I thought no better time to kind of take a rebranding, a little bit of an overhaul to the Red Pill Revolution podcast and say goodbye, give it a kiss. Mwah. I am so thankful that you guys joined me on this journey. And don't be alarmed. Nothing's really changing that's, that's that uh, explosive or ridiculous as far as the formatting, the things we're talking about, really none of it. All we're going to be doing is adding on to it, okay? So changing the podcast from the Red Pill Revolution podcast into the Adams Archive is kind of a two-part reasoning, okay? The first part being that I'm going to be bringing guests on. I've been talking about this for a very long time, but I do not want to pigeonhole those guests into being only people that hold similar beliefs or have a similar background or uh, that I do or that the Red Pill Revolution podcast even comes from, okay? So in that rebranding, it's going to allow me to bring in more professional people, more experts in their industries and, and different types of people who maybe have been a little bit, uh, I don't know, the, the the name itself had some uh, connotations to it that were a little insightful and uh, controversial, which I'm all about. But I'm also all about building the brand, bringing awareness to the things that we're talking about and doing it in a legitimate way um, for the long term. And I think that this is the best move for the podcast moving forward. OK, the other part of that is almost everybody that you see that's in this industry that is doing these things has a personally branded podcast name. All right. When I started this, not everybody and their mom had a podcast. Okay. So um, almost everybody in this space has a personally branded podcast. And there's something to that when it comes to building a personal brand and building the show in general. Okay. So two part reasons. Here's the deal. Not very much has changed. All right. We're going to be moving away from red and moving into this, like, I don't know, magenta ish <laughs> type of podcast cover that you saw today. Um, so, anyways, I hope you guys like it. And I'm pretty excited to. Uh, unleash uh, the intro music, which I think has a little nod to the Red Pill Revolution show. So um, with a tear in my eye, we will be rebranding a happy tear to the Adams Archive. All right. So thank you guys for sticking with me. I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. I truly do. Um, to everybody that was a part of the revolution, the revolution shall continue just under a new flag. 
All right. So thank you for being here with me. Go ahead and subscribe right now. If you're a new listener, um, I would appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. You will be able to hear episodes just like this every single week and new episodes, which we're going to be bringing on guests. Okay. And I unrolled this uh, little, um, you can go check out the social media. The handles have changed the original, still the original, the Austin J Adams. Um, and then the other one's the Adams archive now. Okay. Um, but you can see the kind of the release, the reveal, the, the podcast, I don't know, all of it. All right, go check it out. But in the meantime, hit the subscribe button, leave a five-star review. I would appreciate it. And without further ado, let's jump into it. The Adams Archive. All right. The very first topic that we have today is Steven Seagal has been awarded the Order of Friendship by Vladimir Putin. Okay. So, and we'll read this article. And that's another part of the change here is all of the articles I'm going to be reading from here on out will be written for the Adams Archive itself. It'll be posted on the website as a blog post. You can follow along. Go head over to the Adams Archive. It's under construction and it will probably be rolled out here in the next, I don't know, week or so. So in the meantime, um, stand by. Join the Substack, which is now austinadams.substack.com. austinadams.substack.com. You'll be able to get all of the articles uh, linked directly to this for you. They will be put into the Substack as well as to the website. Uh, but in the meantime, you'll be able to catch all of those at the Substack. All right, which is exactly what I'm reading from right now. I already wrote these up. All right, so in today's news, it appears that the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, has awarded Steven Seagal, the former action star and ponytail enthusiast, with the Order of Friendship. You heard that right. Putin thinks that Seagal has been a great friend to Russia and apparently deserves an award for it. All right. So uh, for those of you who don't know, the Order of Friendship was created in 1994 to encourage citizens' activities aimed at ensuring the well-being, prosperity, and security of Russia. And apparently Seagal's support of the country has earned him this prestigious Russian honor. But it gets even better. Not only has Seagal been awarded the Order of Friendship, but he has also granted Russian citizenship back in 2016. And on top of it all, he was appointed as Russia's special envoy to the United States in 2018. Now, I find this to be uh, pretty pretty funny how you have like these random ambassadors. I'm trying to remember the name of the one who uh, was ours for China. He's the guy, God, he played uh, Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman was the American icon who China chose to be our liaison. It's like all of these countries find the most obscure, random characters from American culture to represent us. It's like the like Steven Seagal and Dennis Rodman are probably two of the most drugged out weirdos that we could ever have to represent us. Was it was Dennis Rodman with China uh, or was it like North Korea or something? I'm pretty sure it was China. Let's see. Dennis Rodman, China. Yeah, it was China. So <laughs> Dennis Rodman and Steven Seagal, right? You have some, some very obscure names in there, but let's continue this article here. <laughs> um, it's not surprising that Seagal has been honored by Putin considering his past support of Russian actions. He famously supported Russia's annexation of Crimea in 2014, a move that was widely condemned by the international community. And just last year, he was visiting a destroyed Ukrainian prison in footage aired on the Russian state-owned TV network. 
He knows who knows what other surprises the world has in store for us, as we were just talking about. Uh, I'm I'm next envisioning Chuck Norris being the ambassador to North Korea or uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme leading the way with our new ties to Poland or <laughs> Germany. I don't know. Anything's possible in this world of, of uh, interesting, interesting characters that we have here in the United States. So um, I don't know what to make of this. It's it's just pretty funny that during all of this, Steven Seagal is the guy that Russia chooses. I mean, he's probably one of very like seven people who are outwardly not flying a Ukrainian flag on their front porch at this point. I don't know. But it, I, I do find it quite hilarious that it just so happens to be Steven Seagal with his Aikido skills. Now, you would think that Vladimir Putin, who's a legit judo black belt, uh, maybe would look at, uh, you know, the Aikido of Steven Seagal and be put off by the silliness of the martial art in today's modern MMA era. Uh, but I digress. He is now an official friend of Russia. And that is all you need to know. All right. <laughs> and next up on the agenda, um, the Mexican president. OK, Mexico's president recently shared a mysterious photo on his social media account that has caused quite the stir. The photo that he shared was of what he presumed to be an elf or better known through Mayan folklore culture as an elux, which is a woodland spirit from Mayan mythology that is known for being mischievous and playing tricks on people. Now, the picture itself looks up into like the tree here and, and you can see the the eyes of this little being looking back at you. Elves are an interesting one, but well, let's, let's continue this article and we'll see <laughs> what else is about this. Uh, the photo was taken by an engineer working on a tourist train project that is currently being constructed in the Yucatan Peninsula, which is home to many Mayan descendants who still practice their traditional ways of life. In traditional Mayan belief, Aluxes are small elf-like creatures that inhabit forests and fields and are known for their playful and often mischievous behavior. They are believed to be supernatural beings that can either bring good fortune or bad luck, depending on how they are treated. Many people in this region still leave small offerings to appease the Aluxes, in the hopes of avoiding their mischievous ways. Despite the conquest of the region by the Spanish between 1527 and 1546, Mayan descendants continued to conserve their traditional ways of life, including language, clothing, religion, and medicinal practices. The ancient Mayan civilization reached its height from 300 AD to 900 AD on the Yucatan Peninsula and in adjacent parts of Central America, leaving behind a rich cultural legacy that continues to inspire and captivate people around the world. The Alux is just one of the one one of the many fascinating uh, figures from my myth mythology that has captured the imaginations of people for centuries. These mystical creatures are believed to have supernatural powers and play an important role in Mayan cosmology. In addition to their mischievous behaviors, Aluxes are also known for their association with wealth and prosperity. Some people believe that if you treat them well, they will bring good fortune and help you find hidden treasures. While it's unclear whether the photos shared by Lopez. Abrador is actually in the Lux or not. The fact that the president took the time to share this shows his reverence for indigenous cultures and beliefs. <laughs> it also serves as a reminder of the rich cultural heritage and that there's probably lots of drugs in Mexico that this man is taking. <laughs> Although who knows at this point, I, I literally would be not surprised by almost anything at this point, whether it's underground elves who bring you good fortune and lead you to treasure to ancient aliens existing beneath our waters and that stemming from the mermaid cultures that we've been talking about in Disney movies for a hundred years to everything. 
giants, all of it would not surprise me at this point, right? There's been like talks of giants bones being found. There's been, I don't know, a video I watched earlier today that has probably no merit whatsoever talking about <laughs> probably uh, this man just did not look legit. I don't even know where I found it. It was on Instagram somewhere, but um, this man was talking about how an underground military uh, U, U20 or something like that, uh, military areas, they have these uh, big giants who walk around that are a part of the Nephilians, Nephilians, I think that's what it was, um, who are, you know, 10 to 18 feet tall. And uh, which, which also coincides with the biblical teachings, right? Talks about giant people roaming earth at the time, uh, all of it, right? So it's like, there's almost, there's almost nothing at this point that's in our ancient, like our lore, our Disney movies, our conspiracy theory, like there's so you would have to have the craziest shit theory like ever in order for it to actually excite my tinfoil hat at this point. <laughs> my tinfoil hat is propped up on top of my TV center, a TV center. Is that a thing? An entertainment center. Is that what we call it now? Because no TV actually sits on it. Did we ever call it a TV center? I don't think we did. That was stupid. Anyways, my entertainment center. <laughs> and it's just rubbed, rubbed raw with all of the, uh, the right things that we have had over the last year or two. And speaking of, we'll talk about one of those in just a minute, talking about the COVID lab theory, but let's continue on this crazy idea of there being an elf that the Mexican president is taking pictures of and posting. Uh, so <laughs> Just as wild as it seems here. Uh, I've never heard of an elux before, but th there's there's constantly talks of uh, little elf creatures when you're doing some type of hallucinogenic uh, drugs. So things like DMT where or um, mainly, you know, dimethyltryptamine, which is in several different forms, but um, mainly in DMT trips where people talk about seeing these ancient uh, elves who like are manning time and kind of mess with you and and so they they see them vividly, vividly in their their hallucinations, um, which again, getting back to theories, right, and getting into you know maybe that's just when you're taking some type of drug, tapping into other universes or realms or simulations on the same gaming console that we're downloaded into. <laughs> I, I don't know, um, but the end. The, the whole point of this is that it would not surprise me if the Mexican president saw an elf, took a picture of it and posted it on his social media. And everybody's just glossing over it as silly at this point. Um, or maybe it was just a little person sitting in the tree, dressed up, messing with the Mexican president, or at least the engineer who took this picture. Um, so I digress before I get myself in trouble with whatever communities that we're speaking about, the elf communities. So anyways, there was another thing that I saw talking about uh, actual people in history. There was a, a podcast that I listened to, which was probably one of the most mind-blowing podcasts I've heard in the last, I don't know, probably my favorite podcast I've heard in the last three years. And that says a lot because I listened to a decent amount of podcasts. Um, but it was Joe Rogan's podcast with Eric Weinstein. And I'd say about 70% of it's probably going to go over everybody's head, including mine. And maybe more. But Eric Weinstein is uh, is is some sort of physicist. And he talks about how the government has been contacting him for 
years, three years now that they've been contacting him. And they've been talking about bringing him out to a secret governmental lair where they're going to expose to him some type of technology that they've exposed from ancient or, or not ancient, but alien extraterrestrial aircraft that messes with time and space and energy in a way that our modern physics has no idea how it works. Now, the interesting point of that is that him being a, an actual physicist says that not, nobody that's on this project is actually knows physics. It actually speaks the language, right? And he goes into why and what the theories are behind this and the anti-gravity theory that he goes into about propulsion systems and how it was he was laughed out of uh, prestigious universities with this theory and then only to have it come back five to 10 years later under somebody else's name who, you know, was more uh, on the in crowd of the scientific community, but he basically lost his, re his, his professor or his, whatever his, his position at, at, uh, at Harvard because of this theory that he had surrounding anti-gravity and how Einstein's theories was, was wrong and, and all of this craziness. And so it's, it's probably one of the most interesting and compelling. I, I haven't listened to Eric Weinstein before, but I will definitely listen to him again. He was a genius. And, and the way that he talks, he was super down to earth. I highly recommend you go listen to the whole thing, going into it, knowing that probably most of it's going to go over your head. But if you just sit and listen, and it's quite even just interesting and somewhat poetic to listen to him talking about uh, physics in the way that he is. But again, just keep in mind, it's probably if you're anything like me and as dumb as I am, <laughs> it's going to go over your head. Um, but it would be really interesting to sit down because it's a th three or four hour. I think pretty sure it's four hours. And he breaks down all of these you know, mathematical equations about Einstein's theories and the theory of relativity and how whatever it is, is wrong from Einstein's theory. And the, the post modern perspective on his theory is now changed and the way that it's changed and why it's changed. And anyways, you should go listen to it. Um, but what he talks about is how the Canadian security advisor, a former Canadian security advisor believed that we were in contact with an intergalactic federation of extraterrestrials. Um, who is currently in talks with the United States and the Israeli government. And this isn't some crazy, like Joe Rogan's had some crazy people on his podcast before. Eric Weinstein is not one of those. Weinstein, Weinstein, however you say it. is not one of those crazy people, right? Um, he's very calculated. He's extremely intelligent, far more intelligent than anybody I've ever come in contact with. And he was very matter of fact about what he was saying. It wasn't emotional. It wasn't like he wanted these things to be true. Um, the fact that he was going on to the biggest show in the world, essentially the biggest platform in the world and calling out the government for basically stringing him along about extraterrestrial technology is pretty boss. Um, I guess it would be the way to describe it, but, uh, but it's such an interesting conversation and he goes into why he believes, or at least originally believed that extraterrestrials were basically just a way for them to cover up other things that they were doing, whether it was the, um, the, what was it? The SR 22, um, to the, uh, stealth bomber. And they were just using it as a cover to try out different technologies and using the UFO theory as a way to convolute it in, in the, in the description of what, what the way that he lays this out, he talks about how the government utilized, you might've seen it. I forget the name of it, but they blew up, um, big balloons that looked like tanks and big balloons that looked like tents and all of this stuff to make it look like there was going to be a, uh, uh, 
military confrontation in a certain part during World War II. And all they were trying to do by blowing up these big balloons that looked like tanks, like tons of them and tons of them and, and shelters and artillery and all of this stuff. Um, they did that only to do a sleight of hand for D-Day so that D-Day could fly under the radar. So they made this big debacle that was just visible enough to the enemy so that they could be distracted by the idea that they were going to actually, they weren't actually going to do D-Day, right? So they were basically just doing a sleight of hand. And so he originally thought that the way that the government was coming out with these aliens or extraterrestrial UFO technologies and, and kind of re releasing them was because they were doing all these other things in the background that they wanted to uh, put white noise onto the, your frequency, right? They wanted to convolute the conversation so far and make it so ridiculous of what they were making the potential of it to be that what it, the reality of it was, wasn't even comparative. So it wouldn't have been a conversation. So I found that to be a really interesting, uh, point about the, the UFO stuff. And I think a lot of people have alluded to that lately. Um, a lot of people have talked about how the UFO stuff recently is just so weird that the government's actually talking about these things, right? They can't be true now, right? Like we've talked about UFOs and extraterrestrials for how long? Right. They've called you a conspiracy theorist. They labeled you with a tinfoil hat. They made it look like the, you were the weirdest of weird people for thinking that there could potentially be life on other planets. While in the background, looking into all of this themselves, right? There's archives and archives that you go back to all the way back to like the 60s of all of the, the people that they've followed up with, with all of these types of uh, stories that were very, very similar to each other about very, very similar experiences in very similar places. And, and another thing that Eric Weinstein talked about was the, the consistency of um, cattle mutilations, which is like the OG alien extraterrestrial movie stuff, right? But like Skinwalker Ranch-esque um, where they, they, but, but what he said is that in all of these mutilations that they found, like actual factual mutilations of cattle, uh, that were around these areas where there was allegedly extraterrestrial stuff going on in the background, um, during all of it, he said that there was only one bone that was missing and it was one of the three bones that makes you a mammal. Now I, again, am not as smart as Eric Weinstein, 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 I should, I'll stick with one, Weinstein. <laughs> Um, and, uh, so he said it just, this singular bone was what was missing. And it's one of the three bones that makes you a mammal. I'm pretty sure it has something to do with your ear. I don't know. Um, but anyways, highly, highly recommend that you go listen to that podcast. It was the most compelling and interesting podcast I've listened to in a very, very long time. Um, again, go into it with the idea that you're going to be lost, but it, but if you take all of the things that he's talking about with physics and just kind of take a back seat and look at it as poetic and not something you're actually supposed to understand, maybe it goes well for you because that's what I did. All right. Now to one of the main topics of the day, which is that the Department of Energy has finally been the very first government entity to come out and agree with the idea that COVID was released from the Wuhan lab of virology. After how many, how many countless bans have been placed on people on social media. Well, you're looking at one of them. I was shadow banned for, oh my God, almost the entirety of the time that I've had this podcast. I grew to 50,000 people over three months. And over the next nine months after that, almost a year, I couldn't get any, I was just losing followers every single day. You couldn't search for me in the search bar. You couldn't find my, my Instagram, none of it, because I posted a video about this Congress hearing about Wuhan. 
so wild. So how many people lost money? How many people lost their platform? How many people like how many people were were labeled in this way for having a very real, very, very like factually based perspective that COVID came from the Wuhan lab of virology. It's literally, and I think uh, there was a great video that went around um, recently by John Stewart, where he talks about how it's literally called the Wuhan lab for novel coronaviruses. <laughs> His joke was something like, uh, something like, um, it's like, there's all this random chocolate falling around us in Hershey, Pennsylvania. It, it definitely has absolutely nothing to do with the Hershey factory here. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Um, the likelihood of this happening, like, right. It's a bat. It's a bat. Like where did that even come from? And do we have any, uh, do we even have any data on the amount of the like, bat population? Because if this was killing people at such an unprecedented rate and they want to tell us it was from a bat, shouldn't we see a bunch of bats dying, right? Like it, it didn't make any sense, right? So they want to tell you it's from a wet market in Wuhan. When in reality, Fauci and his goon squad were funding gain-of-function research. Funding gain-of-function research at the Chinese Wuhan lab of virology for coronaviruses, specifically in Wuhan. And we saw little sprinkles of all of this all the way out through reality. Now it's just comical to me that now our government wants to come out and say this, right? After you've lost all public trust, after you've lost everybody believing in their government, when it was glaring, looking at you in the eye and telling you that you're crazy for thinking that this coronavirus came from the that came from Wuhan, ground zero, came from the Wuhan lab of novel coronaviruses viruses in, <laughs> in China. So anyways, let's read this. In what can be described as a bombshell revelation, or really not at all, because we all knew this, it has emerged that the United States government may have been hiding the truth about the origins of COVID-19. A new report from the Energy Department has concluded that the lab leak was likely the origin of the pandemic. This news has ignited calls for further investigations into the matter. For over a year, there has been speculation that the virus may have originated from a Chinese biochemical lab. However, the idea was dismissed by many as a baseless conspiracy theory. Now it appears that the lab leak theory is gaining traction, with the Energy Department report suggesting that it is the most likely scenario. Republican Senator Tom Cotton, who was one of the first to raise the possibility of a lab leak, has called for accountability. Being proven right does not matter, he said. What matters is holding the Chinese Communist Party accountable, so this does not happen again, he tweeted. What he should include is that we were funding it. The WHO, pretty sure it was through the WHO, and Fauci was funding this gain-of-function research at the Wuhan lab of virology. Senator Josh Howley also called for further investigations, saying that he will introduce legislation to declassify intelligence findings about the origin of the pandemic. Meanwhile, the White House has downplayed the report, emphasizing that intelligence agencies have not yet found any conclusive evidence whether the virus came from a lab or nature. However, House Republicans have already begun a probe into the virus's origins, expanding the investigation to include the Department of Energy, the Department of State, and the Federal Bureau of Investigations. The issue is that the virus's origins have, come a, have become a third rail in politics, with some conflating the possibility of a lab leak with theories of a Chinese biological weapon. While there are legitimate questions to be asked about the origins of the virus in the U.S. response, much of the effort has been framed around political point scoring. 
Despite the continued politicization of the issue, experts fear that China's unwillingness to cooperate diminishes the likelihood of finding out what really happened. The latest DOE assessment only adds to the divided views within the government about where China's the COVID-19 came from. During an email exchange, Dr. Fauci admitted that he thinks there's more evidence supporting a natural origin, which obviously he knew was wrong the entire time. He also looked at our government, at Congress, congressional hearings in the face while his hand was shaking, saying that we did not fund gain of research. Now, this goes on to say that it is infuriating to think the government has been hiding the truth of the origins of COVID-19. The fact that this issue has been politicized is a disservice to the millions of people who have lost their lives or been impacted by the pandemic. It's time for the truth to come out and for those responsible to be held accountable. Now, talking about those responsible, let's talk about Fauci. Fauci is the single largest paid government employee at all. Not the president, not Nancy Pelosi, although there's an argument to be made there on the back end. <laughs> on the back end. Um, not the front end, which some people like to comment about with Nancy Pelosi. Uh, but the back end with her investments. Um, but let's talk about Fauci right? Fauci has stood in front of Congress saying that this is not a possibility. Fauci stood in front of Congress and said, we did not fund gain of function research. Fauci is the highest paid government official ever, to my knowledge, maybe not ever, but at least the highest paid government official today, currently, until he left recently. <laughs> I don't know. He is the highest paid government official that we had during the time of COVID. All right. Now he is currently out and about sitting on some board for Pfizer or whoever, making millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars for the decisions that he made to cover this up, to push and peddle the DNA structuring mRNA into the bodies of as many Americans, children, women, pregnant women as possible. And if Fauci was a part of this, even if it was just China, this was a biological weapon. This would have wiped out everybody as we know it. Humanity as we know it could have been gone. And they're sitting here covering up for the Chinese Communist Party, covering up for Fauci. If our government is responsible for one thing, it's the safety and well-being of the American citizenship. The safety and well-being does not include covering up for pharmaceutical companies so you can pad your pockets as a politician and get into a little bit higher of a position and make a little bit of money along the way by literally murdering American citizens. How many people in my family, how many people in your family died because of the, the, the decisions that were made, the cover-ups that were made surrounding the pharmaceutical industry and the Wuhan lab? And we're going to see nothing out of this. Zero. Nobody's going to be prosecuted. Not Fauci, not the Chinese Communist Party, not anybody a part of the WHO, not nobody, not the Pfizer CEO, none of them. Nobody's going to be held accountable for this. But you know what? Your grandparents, your parents, children could have died from this. And yet Fauci's little smug Speaking of little elf faces, his punchable little elf face is sitting there counting his money on the board of Pfizer, 
or wherever he's at right now laughing because he is no longer to be held accountable as a government official. And it just so happens that Fauci left his position, what, two months ago? Two months before the DOE comes out and says that this was leaked from Wuhan, three months after his congressional hearing where he sat under oath and lied to Congress. Unbelievable. So why do you think this is coming out now? Why now, right of all times, now that this government agency is making this rash decision to come out and agree with all the people that you condemned over the last two years? And how long until we find this out about the vaccine, right? How long until, how long until the, con the conspiracy theories are no longer conspiracy theories? How long until we stop using the word conspiracy theory as a way to delegitimize somebody's point of view in reality that's based off of many times very concrete evidence like what we have here? How long until that stopped? The, the, the literal CIA-funded marketing campaign surround delegi surrounding delegitimizing people who are descending or dissidenting, who have a, 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 an opinion that wavers from the public narrative or the narrative that the government wants you to have. How long are we going to hold on to this term conspiracy theory and allow them to label people like that? How many articles are you going to see right now talking about, what was it, Woody Allen, right? Woody Allen went on to SNL and, and did it. A, a great job at calling out the medical pharmaceutical industry, right? And in the same two days time span, the government's now coming out and saying that it came from a Wuhan lab that COVID did. Hmm. seems a little peculiar to me that now in the mainstream media, they're coming out and making all these claims. Oh, it did come from Wuhan. You guys were right the whole time. Sorry, we called you a conspiracy theory, didn't give you jobs and, you know, kicked you out of your current government jobs, kicked you out of the military, labeled you as, as crazy, uh, wouldn't let you walk into our stores, shut down your businesses. Sorry about all that. We didn't mean to. It came from a lab. Right? We didn't mean to. We shouldn't have, you know, and this is going to be the next step. We shouldn't have rushed this mRNA gene therapy. We shouldn't have done that. You guys were right. It, 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 it does cause you to die from heart failure or from myocarditis or from a number of other issues. It does cause strokes. It does cause this. It does cause that. Right? Sorry. You were right. You're not a conspiracy theorist. Sorry, guys. Don't mind us. Just navigating the new science. How long? And again, why now? Right? They won their election. Right? They got Trump out of office. They caused a worldwide panic. They locked down your businesses. They killed small businesses and, and helped to funnel all of that money into large corporations like Target, like Amazon, like all of these companies who were allowed to be open during these times because they lobbied enough. They infected majority of the human race with a coronavirus that could have and did allegedly kill hundreds of thousands of and millions of people across the world. And then they injected you and your children and your grandparents with an experimental gene therapy. But now you want to come out and tell us that, eh, we're sorry. We were wrong. You were right this whole time. Sorry we gaslit you and made you lose your jobs and called you crazy and banned you off of social media. Oops, mm, our bad. Sorry about that, right? Why now? Why is it now becoming a mainstream narrative that pharmaceutical companies like Pfizer right? Made their money, got out, 
how many people have moved off their boards and, and, you know, cashed out their stocks and all of that during this time, how many Fauci's that were a part of the who or the, you know, the, the governmental positions that were high up making these decisions are now on boards off of, off of it, you know, two, three years coming up on, on their terms out of here, the bureaucrats who don't have terms are already out and on the boards of Pfizer. Right. And now it's coming out. Right. Interesting. I wonder why. So the next thing we're going to talk about is going to be the reason that this is coming up and the reason that has, this has been a consistent conversation recently, you might've heard the term, you might've heard the term 15 minute cities recently, and it's all surrounding the stuff that has been going on in Palestine, Ohio, all and not even Palestine, Ohio at this point, all of the chemical skill, all, all the chemical spills, all of the train derailments, all of the energy plants lighting on fire, all of the fuel tankers exploding, all of the all of the craziness that's been happening. And it's been eerily quiet for about maybe five days now. But you've probably heard the term 15 minute cities. So what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to break it down. Why is this coming into the conversation surrounding these chemical spills? What is a 15 minute city? Why are people concerned about it? We'll jump into it all. All right. But first, go ahead and subscribe. I know maybe you just missed the very first part where I asked you to if you're listening to this for the first time, but I need you to hit that subscribe button real quick. All right. I'll give you three seconds. That's all it takes. And then you'll feel better about your life knowing that I'm not going to ask you again. And you'll have to be like, oh my gosh, I forgot that again. You'll just, you'll just do it right now and it'll be over. And then you, you know, you'll hear me next time and you'll feel a sense of pride. So one, two, Three, you hit it. Thank you so much. And if you didn't hit it, that's okay. I'll get you next time. Um, but next thing I need you to do is leave a five-star review, okay? Hit that five-star button. I would appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. There's not too many people out there having conversations like these, um, but we are going to have them every week on the Adams Archive. So make sure you leave a five-star review. If you could write something that helps us even more get up in the rankings, help more people hear these types of conversations and wake up to the craziness that is going on in all of the world right now. Um, so again, I would appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. And then head over to the Substack, austinadams.substack.com. Okay. You'll be able to get the podcast companion, which will have all of the articles that we're talking about here, expanded conversations surrounding them, all of the cut up clips from this week's podcast with all the topics laid out for you, social media clips, the full podcast, the po video podcast, all of it. And at the very bottom, you can support the podcast by becoming a paid subscriber to the Substack, which right now does not cost a Thing. But if you'd like to, you can spend $7 a month, $7 a month. That's a, one of the coffee drinks that my wife gets from Starbucks because everybody seems to relay money to Starbucks for some reason, because it's so damn expensive anyways. Um, but seven bucks, you know, support your boy. I would appreciate it. Um, that's all I got. All right. 15 minute cities. The world economic forum recently published an article promoting the idea of minute cities as a solution to climate change and urbanization. However, the spike in popularity of this concept is not due to widespread support, but rather widespread opposition. Minute cities are supposed to transform existing cities into districts where everything is available within minutes of walking or cycling, including schools, hospitals, grocery stores, and recreational facilities. But this concept is not new and has been tried before in places like the Soviet Union. The push for minute cities is primarily coming from the public institutions like the C40 Cities Climate Leadership Group which is comprised of the world's largest cities and has partnered with Danish urban investment firm NREP to pilot the concept in at least five unnamed cities. 
The UN and Carlos Moreno, a Colombian-born city planner, are also involved in the project. Despite claims that many cities will decentralize cities and improve the, er, the environment and community, the reality is that they will require increased surveillance and control of citizens. In Oxford, UK, where plans for a minute city pilot were recently announced, traffic filters will be used to enforce boundaries and issue fines to violators. The pilot is unpopular and has been met with extremely widespread criticism, including concerns about segregation and the guarantee that the poor will stay poor and the rich will stay rich. Minute cities are not a solution to climate change or urbanization, but rather an excuse for more control. The true definition of decentralization is populations being geographically spread out into communities. And this is already being done in towns and villages. It's literally no different. Minute cities are nothing more than a fever dream sold by public institutions like C40 to control citizens and achieve their own surveillance goals. It remains to be seen whether they will succeed in rolling out these cities, but the public opposition is strong and growing. The reality is that the success of 15-minute cities depends on various factors, including public support, funding, and government buy-in. So, so far, the push for 15-minute cities seems to be primarily driven by public institutions and the private sector has not shown much interest, likely because it's just not profitable. However, the 15-minute city concept has faced significant opposition from the public, which concerns about surveillance, control, segregation, and reduced freedom of movement. The fact that many people moved out of these cities during the pandemic also calls into question the need for 15-minute cities. The UN and other unelected institutions have repeatedly claimed that 15-minute cities will improve the environment and the quality of life for people. However, as the critics have pointed out, everything that 15-minute cities claim to want to do is already being done, where populations are geographically spread out into communities. In the end, the 15-minute city concept raises more questions than answers. While it may sound appealing in theory, the reality is that there, there may be nothing more than an excuse for more control and surveillance. The success of 15-minute cities depends on various factors. Until these factors are addressed, the idea of 15-minute cities will remain a controversial topic. Now on that, okay, on that, 15-minute cities are basically the idea that they're going to divide every subsection of cities into smaller, more pushed-together little ant hills of people where you can walk everywhere. And according to the World Economic Forum, this is how they're going to make you own nothing and be happy about it. They're going to shove you like a little ant into these cities. They're going to rid you of your land and they're going to take it over for themselves so they can farm beyond meat, whatever that looks like for farming. I can only imagine how gross that would be. Um, that's the idea. They're going to push you into this little area where you have to be completely dependable and completely exposed to some type of horrific tragedy while they go live lavishly on the hills, lavishly on the hills, overlooking your 15-minute city and laughing as they smoke an expensive cigar. Now, the reason that they want to do this is so because it's very difficult to surveil the entire world. It's very diff difficult to be looking at every single institution and every single city and every single community simultaneously. But if they can push you into smaller cities and they can control the fact that you don't have a car, right? Now you have no ability to, to leave. Now, now the idea with this is the 15 minutes is not a suggestion. It is a mandatory thing. You, if you want to go from one district to the next district, you have to get approval. You can't just leave your city, right? Right now I can go immediately right now to the airport and go fly to wherever in the world that I want with a passport. You wouldn't even be able to leave the city I'm in right now and go to the next one over without the approval of daddy government. 
if 15 minute cities are enacted, right? That whole idea is terrifying, terrifying. So we'll see here. Um, we'll see here. And, and actually, I, I, there was a clip that I wanted to play of um, of uh, the White House secretary talking about the COVID lab leak. Um, so maybe we'll we'll get to that after we touch on this 15 minute cities thing. But um, but there was a massive protest in Oxford because Oxford is where they were rolling this out initially. A huge, and this is Oxford, um, not in the U.S. Uh, but let's go ahead and watch this. This was done by Rebel News, who showed up here and uh, was watching as this big, huge uh, protest in Oxford um, was going down. So see if I can get this connected here and we'll listen together. Here we go. More restrictions. Once it's established with digital ID and digital currency, people are going to be totally controlled by, by the elite. This is Callum Smiles at the very first anti 15 minute city protest here in Oxford and I'm joined by thousands of people who have their concerns and I want to find out exactly what they are. So why, why do you think it's important to come down to this protest today? Uh, I think it's important to come down because um, essentially what they're doing to Oxford is they're restricting people's freedom to move, you know what I mean? Because like, they're splitting it up into seven districts so um, it essentially is restricting people's right to move. You have to pay the government in order to get around the block and it's going to kill small businesses, it's going to kill tourism, it's going to be crazy. Ladies, why is it important for you guys to come down here today? Because this is the first trial that they're going to do for the 15-minute cities. So I think it's really important to raise awareness right now before this gets out of control. I think uh, 48 councils have signed up to it in the UK. I think they're trialling it in Bath now and people don't just don't understand what it is um, and need to have a bit of vision of where it's going in the future. That It's just going to restrict people's freedom of movement. So why was it important for you to come to this protest today? Because ultimately we have not been given a choice. So... Um, this is the start of our freedoms being taken away. Um, we should be able to move as we please. We shouldn't be fined uh, and restricted to, to what they want us to do. Basically. And do you think it stops at 15-minute cities? Absolutely not. This is just the start. Once they start, they will keep on going and keep on taking away from us. John, why is it important for you to come here today? Uh, just to raise awareness, or to try and raise awareness of the 15-minute city as not being a nice little keep it local thing but a way of obviously restricting people to a very small area in which to travel on a normal basis so they've ignored what the people want of this of this town you know there was a massive debate about it 90 percent of the, you know, apparently 90 percent of you know the town didn't want what was being implemented and they've just done it anyway so here we are today. This is why we're here, because, you know, if you're not going to listen to us when we are, you know, trying to do this peacefully, we're trying to talk and let you know why we are doing this, then what other option do you leave us, you know? Do you think it stops at 15-minute cities? No, this is just the start of it. You know, this is just the start of it. It's all, it's all the guys, you know, it's all, it's all in the best interests of us, and it isn't. It's for them. It's for the elite. It's for them to make money off of. It's for them to control us, you know, because this is what it is about. You know, who, who, who gets to decide where you can go? Or how many times you can come out of your borough, you know, and then on top of that, it's you know, we're gonna charge you now for this. No, absolutely not. You know, they're fleecing us. So, Nazarene, do you want to live in a 15 minute city and eat bugs? No, I do not want. <laughs> okay, 
so you get the idea. These people are furious, furious because they're being piloted in Oxford as the very first 15 minute city. And you heard them talking about what that means. You have to pay to leave your district. I could literally go outside right now and run 15 minutes. And I'm, I, you know, there's probably some people who would get a lot farther than me because <laughs> I'm not much of a runner, but I guarantee you I could run for 15 minutes straight, right? Pedal my bike, you know, and, and obviously the minute thing is arbitrary because they're talking about 15 minutes, like in a walking, not 15 minutes in the car, right? Not, you know, 20 miles away. They're talking about immediately walking within the vicinity of where you're at. And so this is terrifying and this should terrify everybody because it's being enacted right now. And, and, and what's pretty incredible to me is that the fact that everybody's talking about even across the whole world, there's a movement going and a pushback against the elites of, of the world, right? That are pushing for more totalitarianism, more surveillance on the on the the peasants of the world like you and I, who who don't have the influence of the government and don't have the, the, the you know, the the mountaintop house overlooking the 15-minute cities laughing with a cigar in their mouth. There's a movement around the entire country right now that is on the side of us, right? It's on the side of people who are going against this, this elitist, this totalitarian, authoritarian movement towards restricting free speech, towards restrict, restricting free movement, towards restricting anything that on this God-given earth that you have the right to. They are trying to stip for, strip you of it and, and only allow it through them by paying taxes and fees. Because if you want to leave your district, that means your carbon footprint, right? You only get to use our electric vehicles. You only get to eat bugs. This like Un, this crazy dystopian world that they are working us towards. And it all starts with this 15 minute cities. Now, the reason that this comes into play with Palestine is within the writing of this 15 minute cities. There's a, there's a subsection that allows the American government, which is a, a backdoor way of them, because according to the 15 minute cities write up and, and the types of things that they're doing, they cannot force you to live in one of these districts. You'll have to want to live there. Right, you'll have to want to live in in you know, the Los Angeles fifteen minute district, whatever that looks like, right? So so you can move out of it and not live in their cities. But where they can start to force you, is if there's any type of contaminated areas. So they can physically move you from your home into one of their districts within the fifteen minute cities, as long as there's some type of contamination. So when you look at Palestine, Ohio, when you look at Detroit, Michigan, when you look at all of these places where there was these chemical spills and these energy places that were lit on fire all simultaneously, when you look at them all, it starts to get pretty eerie when you realize that that's contamination that is happening preemptively, potentially, for what this is the theory of what people are saying, to potentially start to move people into these districts of 15-minute cities down the road because they've been contaminated in this way. And that's why people are starting to say, and, and so I had the original idea with the Palestine, Ohio stuff, that it was something happening from other governments around the world, right? And the reason that I thought that was because it happened right around the Nord Stream pipeline being found out as being blown up, right? The reason I thought that was because all of the simultaneous things going on with the UFOs and the Chinese spy balloon stuff that it was in the air. But in the background, a lot of people were waving an alarm about this, right? sounding the alarm about this. 
15 minute cities thing and the contamination that's allowable for them to remove you from your city into one of these districts if they want to. And so that's where it all comes together. Okay. Now let's go back and listen to this clip uh, with the uh, White House talking about the lab leak theory. Um, theory, not a theory, factual, bitch. <laughs> and here we go. Thanks, Greg. John, on the um, Department of Energy's findings, the lab leak most likely caused the pandemic. How should Americans respond? How should Americans understand China's response here? Um, saying that this is politically motivated, it's a lie, there's no science to back it, and swatting down this information. Well, I can't speak for the Chinese, and I wouldn't uh, endeavor to, to do that. Um, but just let me back up a little bit. The president made uh, trying to find the origins of code a priority right when he came into office. Yeah, and he's got okay. a whole-of-government effort designed to do that. Uh, there is designed not a to cover-up for his son in the bio labs in Ukraine doing the same things, only worse. Consensus right now in the U.S. government about exactly how COVID started. Uh, there is just not an intelligence community consensus. And I would add that one of the things the president did was he he's the one who tasked the national labs, which were poured up through the Department of Energy, to study this as well. So it wasn't just an effort that was confined to the intelligence community. That work is still ongoing. but. The president believes it's really important that we continue that work and that we find out as best we can how it started so that we can better prevent a future pandemic. I mean, it's in, it, that's the, the idea here is to get ahead of it so that, you know, should there be another one or should there even be the signs of another one, we can better get ahead of it. China, though, is, is pretty clearly accusing the Biden administration of smearing them and, and trying to say that this is baseless people shouldn't believe it, and it's a politically motivated attack. I'm not going to get ahead of, uh, of where we are in the process, Jackie. We, uh, the intelligence community and the rest of the government is still looking at this. Um, it, it, there's not been a definitive conclusion, so it's difficult for me to say, nor should I feel like I should have to defend uh, press reporting uh, about a possible preliminary indication here. What the president wants is facts. He wants the whole government designed to go get those facts. And that's what we're doing. And we're just not there yet. And when we're there yet, and if we have something that is is um, is ready to, to be briefed to the American people and the Congress, then we're going to do that. How will the president respond to China, though, if, if it's determined that they lied about all this and now are trying to paint the administration as in, in such a negative light? How, how will he respond to, to Xi and, and um, well, let, let's not get ahead of where we are in the process right now. We, we, there is not a consensus. Let's not make me Benjamin? answer questions that I don't have written down the answers for right now. <laughs> All right. Film let's see Till, what this the story of Mamie Till Pierre. Mobley, who pursued what Republicans are looking to cut, given that do that do business with employers who review and take actions uh, to ensure uh, to ensure to move um uh, trying to sorry just going to scrub through this real quick and find her responding to covid prove uh the the, the uh, situation for uh unaccompanied minors uh, when they were coming in and also how to move them in the most safe way possible so is there more work to be done absolutely but 
that it is important that we get to the bottom of this, especially as we uh, need to we prepare go. for who knows, who knows what the future may hold. Don't want to get into hypotheticals from here, uh, but we need to be prepared uh, for the potentially another pandemic. And so, uh, again, we've taken this very seriously. The I don't want to tell you exactly what we're going to do, but we're going to do it again. <laughs> president has we need to get to the bottom of what occurred yeah thank you following up on that are there any plans for the administration to release an unclassified version of the energy department's origins uh COVID origin report and if, if not why is the administration choosing to keep uh, that assessment classified? So again, I'm going to just repeat my uh, National Security uh, Council colleague who said that he doesn't don't, don't want to get ahead uh, of uh, or you know don't want to confirm a story, so I'm not certainly not going to answer that from here. Uh, what I can tell you and reiterate from here, as he has said, as the National Security Advisor has said uh, many times on on, uh, on the airwaves yesterday, uh, which is that the President wants to get to the bottom of this because he thinks it's incredibly important uh, to, to figure out, to get a sense of uh, where uh, COVID-19 originated from. So does the administration first need to find a consensus before releasing uh, some of these assessments or you know, why not put out what everything that, that you well, found? Well, so I think far? it's basically what we've been saying. There has been no consensus. So I think they're working through that. The intelligence community are trying to reverse the work that we have been trying to do. All right. Nothing of substance. Answered nothing. Basically does not want to respond to this in any way, shape or form. <laughs> so on that note, nothing is a conspiracy theory anymore. And, and nothing was a conspiracy theory to begin with. Right. We all knew many of many of these things that have come out now to be factual were factual. They just tried to gaslight us into believing that we were crazy so that they could continue making profits off of murdering our family members through the vaccine, through the lab leak, through all of these things that, that they tried to hide and cover up and throw sand on while not being transparent as the government that we are responsible for paying the salaries of, that they are responsible for having the best interest of the people of the United States, not themselves or their pocketbooks. How crazy is it that we've gotten to this point where our government won't even answer questions from the people, won't even give a straightforward answer that's not written down for them, and will not even tell their people why and where this type of thing came from and, and the facts surrounding it. How how sad that's where we are as, as, as a people, as a government, as a nation, and everybody else around the world is, has been just laughing at us over the last three years, especially with this, you know, horrible, atrocious and comedic administration running the show. So I digress. Thank you guys so much for listening. I am very excited about the switch, very excited to announce some of these guests that I have coming up. So make sure you stay tuned. Go to the Substack right now, austinadams.substack.com. You'll get the podcast companion, all the links, articles, clips, topics, everything, all of it. Go sign up. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. If you want to be paid, it's at the bottom. Um, and it's $7 a month. All right. Uh, hit the subscribe button, leave a review. Love you guys and have a great day.